Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaHealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Welcome everyone to One Hour at a Time and obviously I'm your guest host again, John McAndrew. Today's show is a very, a very good one and I've been waiting for it and it's an honor to have our guest, William Cope Moyers. Uh, many of you probably know who William is, and, and some of you may not, so we're going to try to let you know who he is here in the first segment. Um, among other things, William is the Vice President of Public Affairs and Community Relations at the Hazelden Foundation, and he's also a best uh, bestseller, a writer, and, and William's first book was Broken, My Story of Addiction and Redemption. And William has followed that up with a more practical uh, book, which is called Now What? And it's an insider's guide to addiction and recovery. And it gives very practical um, explanations of, of terms and experiences in recovery. And, and really, William's... Um, one of his goals over the last few years, uh, he's been committed to eliminating barriers to recovery from addiction and alcohol and other drugs. And and I think this book begins to break some of those down. And William, welcome to the show. We're really honored to have you. Well, thank you, John, for having me on and for helping me to carry the message of hope and healing to your listeners. I know I've had a good experience with Mary over the years as well. She's been a great supporter of my work at Hazelden, and while she's not with us today, I think she's with us in spirit, and I'm so grateful to both of you for the work that you're doing to, to help us help others. And we, William, you know, on behalf of, of many thousands of people in the recovery community, you know, we want to, I want to thank you for the work you've done, and my first question is sort of a loaded one. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, you know, and I know the answer to it, but why is it so important, do you believe, and I know you believe this, to share your stories? Because your story is very, very powerful. Um, you know, you, you escaped death many times, and you wrote about it in that, that in your first book, Broken, and it's an incredibly passionate book and a good book. And, uh, and you know what? Why can what can you tell the listeners? Why is it important to carry you know carry the message this way and to share stories in recovery? Someone like you. Well, you know, John, our our, our stories are essentially all the same. Um, you know, they may differ in a few of the finer details, but the reality is uh, that so many of us, so many families like ours, have struggled with 
the powerful grip of addiction to alcohol and other drugs, and uh, so it's important to carry uh, the message and to, to tell the story so that uh, we can all understand that we're not alone, especially so that those who are, feel they are alone can hear that there is strength in numbers, as we know, and so carrying, carrying the message, sharing our stories is important because it helps to level the playing field and, and recognize that, that uh, addiction is an illness that doesn't discriminate. At the same time, it's important for me to share my story and for us to carry the message not just of addiction and the grip of addiction on people like me and families like mine, but also to carry that message of recovery that is all about you know hope and help and healing so that people who are listening today or families that don't know what to do with a loved one can 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 realize that uh when they hear Moyers, you know, tell his story or McAndrew tell his story or Smith tell her story or Jones tell her story that that there is that there that there is a way out of this seemingly um hopeless and helpless condition of addiction. So, you know, I I've been carrying that message uh of addiction uh and redemption and recovery uh the public audiences for many, many years now in my work at Hazelland and in my first book, Broken, which was a memoir with my story, and then in this new mm-hmm. book called Now What, it's, it's, it's a way for me to reach out and help others who've been in the same predicament that I was in so long ago and in the same predicament that my family was in, you know, standing there at that sort of abyss at the corner of the Now What and not knowing which way to turn. So that's why mm-hmm. it's important to tell our stories. And I think it's it's good to note that you were a writer at CNN, and uh, you're really a good writer. And people that have written, written your books or read your books know that when you did your first book and you did the tours and you went out on shows, I know that when you appeared on Oprah and some of these other television shows, the phone lines at Hazelden literally were just uh, blown up with people calling in. Uh, you mentioned this in the book, but, you know, just regular families calling in, oh, my God, you know, what do I do? Where do I go? How do I know, you know, when to get involved, when to help my son? You know, those are all questions that families, uh, you know, need to be answered, and, it's, and they usually call in a crisis situation. And I, it's very interesting, your new book, the introduction, and maybe you can tell us about that. It's called Help. My son is dying, and it's really your your dad, Bill, and your and your mom, Judith, telling their side of it. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about why you put that in the introduction? Sure. I mean, you know, look, addiction to alcohol and other drugs—it's a disease. It's, that's a fact. That's what science has been telling us for many years now. That's what researchers have uncovered. Uh, addiction is a, is a is an illness. It's a chronic illness. It doesn't discriminate. It affects people in the same way that uh, hypertension or diabetes or asthma or chronic illnesses that mm-hmm. uh, you know are, are, are that uh, that strike uh, people and take them down. Um, right. But unlike those other chronic illnesses, cancer and others, unlike those other illnesses, we just don't talk openly or freely about uh, addiction in, in the same way and. And, and so there is, as a result, centuries of, of shame and stigma around the illness. Um, and, and so the, the importance of, of speaking out is to help sort of shine a bright light into that dark corner of, of a person's life. Uh, in the same way that uh, my family was educated when I was uh, 
you know, trapped in the quicksand of my own addiction back in the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, and my, my, my parents are learned, accomplished, successful, educated people. And yet, right. Right. in that moment, they too were as baffled as any other family. Uh, and, and so, you know, sharing our stories, whether it's my story of addiction or whether it's Bill and Judith Moyer's story uh, of, of being a parent, of an addicted adult child, um, those stories go a long way in not only shining that light into the dark corner of addiction, but also giving people hope and giving them an opportunity to, to reach out and ask for help or to get help. And so when Bill and Judith and William Cope Moyers went public with our story in 1998, um, and we're on Oprah and Larry King and mm-hmm. the New York Times and on radio stations around the country, suddenly people found a way to to, to, to get help. I mean, they, they found an access point. They found uh, information that came not from a book or not from a website, but came from the real experiences of, of parents like mine and people like me who had been trapped in addiction. So I start the book out with a forward, an introduction uh, by my parents in, in a way that I, we hope will uh, give other parents and other spouses and other families permission to to, to embrace the reality that there is help out there and there is hope. And, and in that chapter or in that introduction called Help My Son is Dying, um, mm-hmm. I talk about a letter that I received from a woman in, uh, in Ohio who, who wrote me in 2010 and, and said, Help My Son is Dying, because she didn't know where else to turn. And, and she turned to me because I am so public in my role at the Hazelin Foundation, a public as an advocate uh, to help mm-hmm. educate people around the illness. So long story short, and I could talk a whole hour on this, the, the fact of the matter is is that addiction um, is an illness that so many families know, but so many families don't know where to turn to get help or to ask for help. And, and so this book, Now What?, just like my own sort of advocacy work at Hazelin, is meant to help people get help. Right. It's, it's so powerful. And one of the questions, and you bring, bring it to light for parents, is, is William, they go, well, you know, why is my son doing this? It's crazy. Why is my daughter doing this? They're off Precisely. somewhere where they're going to die. They're with people that they shouldn't be with, and they cannot fathom this behavior. And, and the chapter... Uh, <laughs> Swiss cheese, the addict's brain on drugs, begins to unfold this absolute mystery. And and underneath it, of course, you already mentioned the disease. But, Mm -hmm. you know, Swiss cheese, the the brain on drugs, where did you get that image from? Well, I I actually got got that from the National Institutes of Drug Abuse, NIDA, which is an agency of the federal government. And... um, they're probably not the original source of it, but it's been passed around over the years. The reality is, is that all of us have brains, obviously. The brain is the most powerful and potent organ in the body, and the brain happens to be uh, directly affected when somebody willfully or voluntarily ingests substances into their bodies. Those substances go into the bloodstream, go into the oxygen, and they fill the brain with all kinds of, of uh, influences that in the brains of an addict at least tend to hijack the brain and, and, and cause precisely the opposite effect of what people had intended. Well, first they, they get the feeling of high, but then what happens is it causes good people to do bad things or 
moral people to do immoral things or rational people to do irrational things, uh, loving people to do hateful things. And that's why this disease is so different than others in, in that it causes people to do exactly the opposite of what they intend to do. It causes them to do the, exactly the opposite of what they want to do. And ironically, it causes them to do exactly the opposite of how they were raised to be. I always tell families that um, uh, it's okay to hate the illness of addiction, and, 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 and there's certainly cause for that, but it, you've got to continue to love the person who has it because their brains have been wired in such a way through genetics and other dynamics, including holes, Swiss cheese-like holes in the brain uh, that, 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 are, that line up in such a way, and science is far better at this than I can explain it now, but of course I'm the layman, so I can explain it in simple terms. The holes in the brain line up in such a way that when about one in ten of us in this country ingests, willfully ingests those substances, they tend to, 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 to move about, if you will, in the brain in such a way, because of the way the brain lines up and the way it's exposed in such a way that, that, that causes people to sort of go off the deep end and, and, and develop that baffling inability to just say no. And so early in this book, Now What? Uh, uh, An Insider's Guide to Addiction Recovery, I try in simple terms to explain what it is that's going on, not just in the brain of the addict and the alcoholic, but also in the soul, because unlike other illnesses, John, addiction, as you know, is one uh, that is a soul sickness as well, right. uh, and one that 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 that, that thirsts for, uh, you know, f- to be perfect or or thirsts for some greater connection to a higher power. And and what we discover as addicts and alcoholics is that we can soothe that hole in the soul, just like we can satiate those holes in the brain with substances, so that mm-hmm. we. Um, we find that substances hijack the brain and steal the soul, and you know we end up doing things that we never could have imagined when we first started using, and our families can't imagine that we would use do either. Right, and and I know that uh, most people are aware of the fact that this is chronic. You know, there's a. It's kind of fun when we begin, yeah. And we hit we hit a point where it's downhill, and there's no starting over at you know go back to go and start over. Uh, the chronic nature of the disease and the acuteness of it and the, it's fatal. That's usually the time when parents call, uh, when people get just extremely concerned. And, and before we go any further, in, in the book, there, there's a hotline, Hazel and Hotline to call. I want to give that number out and then we'll go to break. It's 800-257-7810. 800-257-7810. Seven eight one zero, and we're talking to William Cope Moyers about his new book called "Now What: An Insider's Guide to Addiction and Recovery." And when we come back, we'll get a little more into uh, some of these next chapters. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. West Bridge Community Services. West Bridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. West Bridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at West Bridge Community Services. West Bridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned 
common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for Co-Occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders. Leadership is a destination, but how do you get there? More importantly, how do you maximize your power and influence and develop more leaders in your organization? Learn from proven leaders and proven practices. Join Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler for Leadership Development News. This program will help you develop the next leaders in your organization, balance your work life, manage your boss, and manage yourself. We'll feature cutting-edge interviews with industry experts and authors. Leadership Development News, every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on The Voice America Business Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back. Uh, this is One Hour at a Time with Mary Woods, and, of course, I'm John McAndrew. We've been talking with William Cope Moyers, um, and William is the Vice President of Public Affairs and Community Relations for the Hazelden Foundation, has worked with him for many years. And uh, we've been talking about a little bit about his first book, Broken, which is his personal memoirs. And uh, his new book is called Now What? An Insider's Guide to Addiction and Recovery. And we've spoken about family and when the family comes into this process. And William told us about his mother and father who are very well-educated, very smart people of the world, and still could not figure out why William was doing all these things, which <laughs> were endangering his life. And, and I think an important thing William shared with us um, is that all of us are the same. Uh, all people uh, that have addiction and alcohol and drug problems really are, uh, have the common, uh, the common disease and no one is any different than anyone else. And, and, and I think that's important because William described why he goes out and has shared his story. And uh, we want to continue. Uh, th- this new book is... is uh, is really, really good, and I think William's writing skills are are very evident in talking about practical solutions to recovery. And William, we talked about Swiss cheese and the brain in this other chapter, which got my attention pretty quickly, uh, you know, is uh, bowling and addiction. Yeah. And that, and that makes me go, okay, i got to read this. What does this mean? And... <laughs> Where did this come from, and tell us about it? Well, actually, I was in Tennessee, um, excuse me, not too far from Knoxville at a resort called Blackberry Farm uh, Uh a year or so ago, and I was thinking about the book and trying to find a new analogy to describe the addict and the impact of substances on the addict, and not just on the addict, but on everything that the addict touches or Uh is around, so... I was down there, and it kind of came to me. I think it works pretty well in the book, which is to uh, to essentially talk about addiction and the impact it has in the same way that people can, uh, you know, experience or have imagined bowling. And, and the bottom line is is that the um, 
the the drug is the bowler and the ball is the addict. The point being that it's the drug that drives the ball down the lane <laughs> and towards yeah. the pens. And the pens are everything that represents something of importance in the addict's life, family, job, career, reputation, finances, whatever. And, you know, all of us have been bowling, and some of us are better at it than others. I'm not very good at it, but I know enough that, you know, if you roll the ball down the, the alley enough times, eventually, it may go in the gutter a couple times, it may strike some pens, but eventually you get a strike. Everybody gets a strike. And that's what um, drugs do to people. They ultimately knock down everything that matters. And I tried to write it that way so that people who completely understand what I'm talking about and those that completely misunderstand or don't understand what I'm talking about can sort of picture the fact that the bowling ball is, is the addict and it's not the addict that's rolling that it's the addict that's rolling down the alley, but it's the, it's the bowler, the drug that has delivered the ball down that alley. Uh And so we, the addicts roll down that alley and eventually we crash into the pens and everything that we know, everything that we care about, everything that we've tried to, make right by standing up, gets knocked down over and over again until eventually they're all knocked down. And that's kind of the simple impact, if you will, that, uh, that addiction has on so many of the pens that are our lives. Right. What happens, William, uh, at this moment, and you get into it in the next chapter, giving up by giving in, what happens to the addict at this point? And I know families struggle with this, trying to get a person into treatment or to get them help. And the, the addict or alcoholic is not ready. They haven't given up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is that and why does that happen? Well, you know, John, there's, there's this sort of common misperception, if you will, or perhaps a misconception that mm-hmm. there's nothing can be done for the addict until he or she hits bottom. Right. I know what people mean by that term hitting bottom, it means, you know, they got to wait till things get real bad. But what I argue in the book, uh, now what, what I argue in the book is that um, it's, it, it's, it's not a good idea to wait until the addict or the alcoholic hits bottom because the only bottom with this chronic disease, as you point out, it is chronic. It's, it's treatable, but it's not curable, at least not yet. The only bottom with this illness is death. And anything short of that be it financial bankruptcy, be it jail, be it divorce, be it, you know, a serious injuries as a result of a fall or an automobile accident, a drunk DWI, whatever, anything short of death is an opportunity to get out, a way out of the problem. And so I tell families all the time, don't wait until your loved one hits bottom before you, you know, reach out and try to get them help because um, when they hit bottom, they're going to be dead. Uh, yep. Take action now. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that the sick person, in this case the act of the alcoholic, is going to, you know, take the advice or take the medicine, if you will. But, the, but, but, but families and employers and communities and churches, they all have an obligation to try to steer the addict uh, in, in such a way uh, that they can um, get them help before it's too late. So that's what that chapter is all about, um, because I, I, I really think it's important that your listeners uh, and that the public at large understand that uh, we're playing with a very serious illness here, addiction, and, mm-hmm. and while it manifests itself in all kinds of ways, 
all those ways are a way to stop it from uh, reoccurring uh, as long as it's not too late. And the too late is when people die with the illness. Mm-hmm. It's a very pivotal piece in this book and, and I, in the whole process because there's a couple of things that happen, and uh, you, maybe you can elaborate on this, but by trying to get the help and the family gets involved and they contact, and we're going to talk later in the show about how, you know, who who they can call and how to find the right treatment. But in the process, does it? it's true, I believe, that the family begins to understand the disease. And then the alcoholic and addict gets to see this train mm-hmm. that's heading 100 miles straight at them. Mm-hmm. And they begin to realize that if they don't get off the tracks, it's going to run them over. There's a term in recovery called, or called discovery, you know, before recovery. And how does that happen when... Uh, you explain, let's say the son gets to treatment and doesn't really know for sure, and he's sitting in a room with 30 other alcoholics their first or second day in treatment, and let's say they're up at Hazelden. And, um, I know what happens, but can you explain? Sometimes miracles happen, huh? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't like the term miracles only... And I, I know why that term is used. I know why you're using it now. But, you know, um, in the same way that other pe- people recover from chronic illnesses because of the good work of professionals who work in the field, be they doctors or nurses or, right. or, 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 or you know, experts in, in treating uh, diabetes or hypertension or asthma, uh, it's rare that a miracle is what saves somebody. Uh, the same is true with uh, with alcoholism or, or addiction to to illegal substances like cocaine or methamphetamine, or even legal substances like uh, prescription medications, which are a big risk these days to a lot of us. Um, I mean, the process seems miraculous because it, somebody does go from being, right, you know, completely destroyed or wrecked uh, by the substance to suddenly getting it. Uh, uh, and what I think happens there is I, I think it's about that moment of clarity, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. In my case, it came very slowly. You know, I, I hit bottom. Uh, I, 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 I hit a bottom in 1989 in a crack house in Harlem, uh, in New York, and I was in and out of treatment four times over five years between 89 and 94, and it was in a crack house in Atlanta, Georgia in 1994 that I had my now what moment, and in that moment, I realized that, man, my way just wasn't working anymore, yeah. and and I needed to, if I was going to get well and live and thrive as a 35-year-old and have a chance to be a father and a family member and an engaged member of my community, I better darn well stop doing it William's way. There was my moment of clarity. Now, that was, maybe that was miraculous in the sense that, you know, it finally happened after so many years, but, but the fact of the matter is it was a process, uh, and when I got it, I got it, and what I finally understood is that I couldn't do this by myself anymore, John. I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. overcome this cunning, baffling, powerful, and patient illness that was, that was destroying me, and I said, okay, I'm done, and that sort of leads to that point in the book where I talk about giving up. Uh, giving in, not giving up. Because if I had given up that day, October 12th of 94, if I'd given up, I could have just easily killed myself and that would have been the end. But what I did instead was give in and say, okay, William, you're done. And I said to my higher power, God, and I said to my family, and I said to my professionals, the treatment professionals who wanted to help me, I said, okay, I'm done, have me. And I became teachable in that moment and in the many moments after that to the point that 
I've been clean and sober one day at a time, you know, since October the 12th of 1994, since my now what moment. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, I know, and, and, and it is a miracle. My life is a miracle, but it was far more than a miracle that got me to this point. And it was grace. It was professionalism. It was the commitment of my family. Uh, it was work on my part. I had to work hard at, at, at recovery. We all do. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, here we are. Yeah. And this moment of giving in, and I kind of visualize you closing your eyes and just allowing yourself to fall backwards. Let's say it's your parents that caught you, but you said something real important to me, and I use the word miracle, but you said behind all of that are the professionals. And I think we'll get into that when we come back from, uh, from uh, break. And we've been talking with William Cope Moyers about his uh, new book, Now What? An Insider's Guide to Addiction and Recovery. And listeners, if you want to go to hazelden.org, www.hazelden.org, you can, uh, I'm assuming you can get the book at other places as well, and we'll talk about that. But there's where you can find William and uh, how to get the book and to uh, also learn a little bit more about Hazelden. And at that now what moment is when... uh, the professionals in this field really do their magic. And uh, I think that's what's so important about this book is how to find resources, you know. So when we come back, we're talking with William Moyers. We're going to talk about the next phase of this, uh, about finding treatment, and we'll share. William will share a little bit more about his story. And I will give you the Hazelden hotline number uh, one more time if I have that. It's 800-257-7810, and uh, this is one hour at a time, and we shall be right back after the break. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. In your family, what is most important to you? Is it health? Relationships? How about getting along better with your kids or your parents? Maybe it has to do with losing pounds or gaining financially. Whatever the problems you face in your family, you'll want to tune in to Family First with your host, author, and speaker, Randy Rolfe. Since 1985, Randy has become the foremost expert on matters concerning the family, and she can help you. Family First airs live every Friday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Health and wellness is about making lifestyle choices that make us feel good about ourselves. It's easier knowing what to do than it is doing it. 
Listen to The Tams Toward a Magnificent Self, Health and Wellness Show with your host, Tammy Anastasia, M.A. Tammy will explore and uncover the answers to what gets in the way of our motivation. Through her expertise and occasional guest experts, Tammy will inspire and motivate you to make realistic lifestyle changes. Listen live every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back. This is John McAndrew again, and we've been talking with William Moyers. Very engaging conversation with William, and uh, very powerful when he talked about his now what moment and uh, about alcoholism and drug addiction and where it takes us. And uh, the next chapter in his new book, and it's called Now What? An Insider's Guide to Addiction and Recovery. I should say that a little better. Now what? you can find it at hazelden.org. I, I encourage all of our listeners to go there and to uh, kind of go around that website. There's so many resources and fantastic things to read about. This is William's second book, so he's gone from broken, his memoirs, to this very practical guide, uh, and the pair of these are very, very powerful to have. So, William, after this now what moment, um, you talk about treatment, and I know this is very big topics, and we might be able to cover, you know, this whole section very easily. Uh, what about treatment? Well, it works. Uh, <laughs> there's a there's a sort of misperception out there, or there's an outright um, disinterest in, in in embracing the reality that treatment does work. Uh, and it does help to facilitate recovery. You don't have to go to treatment to recover from addiction, but a lot of people do go to treatment. And frankly, a lot of people have to go more than once in the same way that people require multiple treatments for other chronic uh, incurable illnesses. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sometimes people can get on the road of recovery from heart disease or diabetes or addiction with one treatment and, you know, a lot of good aftercare follow-up. Um, other times, people need to go multiple uh, times to treatment uh, for whatever the illness is. Uh, I went to treatment four times in five years, as I said, before I finally got it. And uh, so, so, so the key to treatment is is the fact that it does work and that it's not exorbitantly priced. In fact, some of the best treatment programs in in the country uh, are are free or are um, lower cost. Uh, are, are, are programs that are funded with public dollars, taxpayer dollars. There, are, There's good treatment down in the trenches in inner cities, just like there's uh, good treatment at places like Hazelden. So treatment works. Treatment is affordable. Insurance companies um, are now required, for the most part, to cover uh, addictions treatment like they do other illnesses. And uh, in the uh, Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, uh, 30 million Americans are going to have access to addictions treatment who haven't had it before. So 
there are resources out there, uh, but finding the right place for you or your loved one um, isn't necessarily a slam dunk. In fact, oftentimes it takes a lot of research. You need to match up the treatment facility's expertise with what you or your loved one needs, and oftentimes addicts and alcoholics have what we call co-occurring disorder. They're struggling with substance misuse, uh, and they also have bipolarism or PTSD or an eating disorder. So, so you've got to find the, the right treatment program, and by right, that's one that you know meets your needs and also is affordable and hopefully is covered by insurance, and that for most of us is, is a treatment program that's close to home. Uh, there's something to be said about going to treatment in your community or nearby because that allows you to continue to go to work and be a parent and go to school and and you know remain connected to your community in a way that if you have to get up and get on an airplane or a train and go away for treatment, you don't get to do that. But um, you know, uh, treatment does work. A recovery is possible. Uh, treatment isn't going to work if the patient isn't going to be willing to work it. Um, if you're looking for resources, the, 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 the Internet is a great way to start. Not that you want to, you know, blindly follow whatever the Internet suggests, but oftentimes you can Google or put into the search engine addiction treatment and then put in your community and it'll up will come a couple of places. You want to make sure you go to a place that has a good reputation that's licensed as a treatment facility. Right. Uh, you know, you can talk to, you can ask the facility if the counselors are licensed to, to practice addictions treatment and related services. Um, mm-hmm. Talk to your insurance company. Your insurance company oftentimes knows um, so, so treatment is a, is a wonderful portal into the rest of, of life. It's a good, it's a good way to interrupt the insane process of using over and over again and, and getting on the road of recovery. Mm-hmm. In the book, there's a, there's a really good piece in the appendix and I think a, this might be a good time to talk about it and then we'll go back to, you know, some questions that people have called in, uh, texted me actually, and I've got a couple questions here for you, but in the appendix, you have a writing an intervention letter, mm-hmm. and um, I think a lot of people have heard of interventionists. Um, I think a lot of families are aware of this very critical moment when the situation is acute. They're afraid, really, that their son or daughter is going to die or be harmed. Uh, we don't always think very clearly. Um, is it you know, the question is, who do they, who do people contact to get help uh, to make these decisions, you know, mm-hmm. under stress and duress? And mm-hmm. what is an intervention, and why did you put this letter in here? And it's really almost a love letter, isn't it? It's called Writing an Intervention Letter. Uh, and it's very, very powerful, the pieces that you, you talk to people about including. And this is a letter they write to their addict son or daughter or other family member, is that right? Well, it's, yes, it's one form of communication. It, it, okay. And I, I wrote that letter, included that letter, so that people can understand that reaching out to the still-suffering addict and alcoholic is, doesn't necessarily mean confronting them or screaming at them or, you know, throwing them out. It, it means, you know, communicating what it is you feel inside and what you want that sick person to, to know about your perspective as the family member, the person who loves them. Um, intervention, an interventionist is not a magician. Um, interventionists are people who are well-trained and have good experience in helping uh, steer the addict or the alcoholic away from the problem and towards the solution. Oftentimes, 
the interventionist works directly in, in concert with um, the family uh, or the employer, um, mostly with the family. Uh, there are a lot of people out there who call themselves interventionists, um, mm-hmm. and some of them are very good. I work with a, a lot of them. Um, some of them aren't so good. Uh, an intervention uh, doesn't necessarily have to be uh, confrontational in the way that it, it might be portrayed or has been sort of you know broadcast on the media. Um, but an intervention basically is just that. It's 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 an it's an opportunity, an exercise, and an effort on the part of the community, however the the community is defined, to stop or to get in. In, to intervene in the destructive behavior and the destructive use uh, exhibited by the addict and the alcoholic. The other last thing I'd say, John, is that um, treatment f- facilities all over the country, uh, whether they be local or national, um, have us usually a, a, a list of, of reputable, um, well-experienced interventionists that those facilities work with. So if you're somebody looking for an intervention or for guidance, you know, you can call a treatment facility. You can call Hazelden for that matter. You can call a facility in your community or call Hazelden, and, mm-hmm. and that facility will help you to, to, to connect with somebody who can help you intervene in the insanity of, of the drug use. Right. It's a, it's a powerful journey, and, and uh, you know, many of our listeners have taken it from from being on those railroad tracks and that train is coming at you or actually, you know, being run over a little bit by the train Mm -hmm. and making it with professional help. And I hear a very common thread through this conversation from you is that there are professionals that are really trained in all this. Yeah. And and it's really good for people to make contact with those professionals. Once, you know, the addict and alcoholic becomes the participant or the patient or the inmate, as some people joke about, once they're in treatment, then this process starts. And, and, and this is a really, uh, you talk about peer recovery from I to we, and of course the, the, uh, the self-help programs and the 12-step programs in your community as you know, one of the last pieces of this journey. And uh, how important is that? And, and how did that happen for you? Well, you know, I'm bi- the book is biased. I will be upfront yeah. with you. Um, I I favor that 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 abstinent model, that abstinent mm-hmm. pathway that is so much about the twelve steps of Alcoholics Anonymous or Cocaine Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous or Al Anon for family members. I'm I'm biased in that way because that's what that's the modality of of recovery that we that is a cornerstone of what we do at Hazelland. It's a cornerstone of of my own story, um, and it's a it's a thread that runs through uh, now what uh, an insider's guide to addiction and, right. and recovery. I mean, the twelve steps are a very effective way for people to recover. It's not the only way, and I I make some brief references to other modalities. I only do that out of respect for the fact that um, there is no one size that fits all. Um, mm-hmm. On the other hand, the 12 steps are a great way to access recovery and to stay in recovery because as I say to the patients at Hazelden, or when I speak to patients in treatment facilities, uh, other treatment facilities around the country, and I do a lot of that, I, I talk about the fact that treatment is not the end of the experience. Right. Putting down the substance is not the end. It's really the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's the beginning of you know 
what's going to happen uh, next. Uh, and, and it's something that's going to continue for a lifetime. As you pointed out earlier in our, our conversation today, um, uh, addiction uh, isn't tr- is, is treatable, but it's not curable. And so, you know, I've been in remission from it for 18 years and three or four months, but I still have it. It's still lurking out there because like, it's like a chronic illness. And so for me to stay in remission, for me to stay in recovery, I got to do what is prescribed. Um, right. And what's prescribed for me is, and what works for me is this sort of holistic approach not just to the problem, but to the solution. Addiction is an illness of the mind, the body, and the spirit. And so the antidote to it is to take care of the mind, the body, and the spirit. Uh, to, treat the, to treat the alcoholism. Thank you, William. We have one more little segment left, and we've been talking to William Moyers about his new book, Now What? An Insider's Guide to Addiction and Recovery. And I encourage folks to go to the Hazelden website, org, and they've also got a hotline number which is 800-257-7810 and we come back i've been texted a couple questions from listeners and we will ask william about that we'll keep him on his toes we'll be right back opinions options answers you're listening to voice america health and wellness Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Maybe there is something to a 3,000-year-old healing system. Tune in every week to Holistic Healing with Herbs and Chinese Medicine with host Michelle Collins and Andres Figara. Herbs, acupuncture, qigong, and food can work together to treat most chronic and acute health problems. Michelle and Andres will present discoveries intended to enhance your health. Be sure to listen every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Ancient therapies can help you in modern times. No matter what you have tried, healing is always possible. Learning about healing, what it is, and what it can do brings a much clearer understanding of the process. Listen for the Healing Power Hour with Suzanne Hill. Our program will help you understand your own body so that you can understand how you can reduce or eradicate any negative health issues that you might be dealing with. Healing is energy-based, and by learning how it works, you help yourself. Tune in to the Healing Power Hour, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. 
You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back. This is our closing little section. Uh, my name is John McAndrew, and I've been guest hosting again for Mary Woods, and we wish Mary well today. And we've been very honored to have as a guest uh, William Moyers, who has very humbly over the years shared his personal story um, with all of the world, really, and uh, his first book, bro- uh, Broken, and now his next book is what we've been talking about today, and it's really an essential piece uh, for families, for alcoholics and addicts. It's now what an insider's guide to addiction and recovery. And uh, William, I had one question, and we talked in our last uh, segment about the treatment world. And when you entered your journey several years back, the way that we thought about treatment and family involvement and it was real common back in those old days that the best thing to do is to get into an airplane and fly away somewhere that had a couple palm trees. Yeah. And you will, <laughs> everything will be fine and they'll dust you off and then they'll fly you back home. Well, we all know that getting sober is the first piece. Staying sober is really about what your book is about as well. And, uh, and you're, you've been around this for a long, long time. It, how has your perspective and the treatment world's perspective changed as far as sticking your community? You mentioned that once already. Can you elaborate? How does Hazelden support that? Well, Hazelden is expanding. We're expanding our services to include more and more outpatient. You know, you don't have to go get on an airplane and go away to treatment and stay away for 20 or 30 or 40 days anymore. You you can get it in your community on an outpatient basis. Hazelden's providing uh, access points for people in uh, communities around the country who uh, can't afford to or don't want to uh, go away to treatment. Uh, that's called outpatient treatment. Yeah. So that's really evolving in, in a good way, I think, because it's making uh, treatment more accessible uh, for people. You know, the, the field has become far more professionalized, and I think that's really good. I'm not a clinician. I'm not even a licensed counselor. I don't do clinical work. I'm the advocate. I'm the mission guy at Hazelden mm-hmm. to carry the message. But, but the, 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 field, our, the counselors at Hazelden and a lot of other places now, they have to have a minimum of a Bachelor of Arts degree. Many of them are required to have a Master's degree in a related field. Uh, you know, uh, we're recognizing in the treatment field just how complex these cases have been, not just because the drugs are, are, are more potent than they were in the old days, but because so many uh, people are, um, are struggling with a co-occurring disorder, as we talked earlier, with depression, mental illness, and other things. The other thing that's changed, John, which is very hopeful, is that young people are, are accessing treatment. We at Hazelon have expanded our youth continuum. Uh, we're in, in the middle of a major capital campaign to raise funds uh-huh. to expand our, our services for young people. So young people are, are accessing treatment much sooner now than they used to, and the good news is they're staying sober out of that experience too. Right. Let's have a question here. I was texted a few, and 
This question will probably open the door to several things and touches on some things I think you just mentioned about younger people coming into treatment. This is from Dale M. in Lexington, Kentucky. He says, William, what do you know about dual diagnosis, and what does that mean, and where do you go for treatment if your son has schizophrenia or bipolar disease? Yeah. I assume that the Dale means also where do you go for treatment if your son has that as well as substance use disorders. And, yes. you know, there are programs in Kentucky. Uh, I'm suddenly drawing a blank on the one. I've been down there several times. It's easy to find. Um, I believe Jay Davidson runs that program down there, but I can't remember what the program is all of a sudden. Um, y- yes. I mean, we find that young people and older adults as well, oftentimes who are struggling with mental illness will use substances either to try to make themselves feel better or to mitigate the circumstances, the, the right. struggles that they're having. If somebody with depression oftentimes will abuse substances because they, it makes them feel better. Yeah. Um, that's why you've got to go, when you're getting help for your son or for yourself, you've got to go to a place that's going to be able to address both issues. We do that at Hazelland, and so do a lot of other treatment providers as well. Yeah, and I, and I know there's really an epidemic today, and we've done shows on that uh, with the young people coming in having psychotic breaks, and they're alcoholic and drug other drug abusers, plus they have severe and persistent mental health. They're several places around the country. Uh, Westbridge, you know, that's really what yes. they focus on, and that's their specialty. I think people get confused with what that is and where do they send their, you know, which place do they go. And I think a good resource, again, is the Internet, and you'll find yes. places like Menninger and Westbridge and, and, Hazel, and ask, Hazelin's ask got great you know. resources. We refer people, you know, oftentimes you, we, we, we take a philosophy that you've got to stabilize the patient who is struggling with a with substances first and then, you know, move them towards a, a, the treatment of their, of their mental illness because it doesn't make any sense to get them sober if they're still going to be struggling with mental illness. And it makes no sense to, 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 to steady them from their mental illness if they're going to continue to use substances. Okay, here's another question. And this is, you get this a lot. This is from Deborah S. And this is from Nashville, Tennessee. She says, my son, I'll leave the name out of here, is an alcoholic. I think he's an alcoholic. She goes into some details about his behavior. Yeah. But I don't think he thinks he's an alcoholic. What do I do? Well, it'll sound self-serving, Deborah, but he, he, he could read, now what? <laughs> I oh, mean, the book go. is really designed to help people understand what it is that they're grappling with in their own lives. But, you know, or you could get him to read Broken, my memoir, because I'm sure he'll find similarities in his story with mine. Um, the other thing to do is to, there are online assessments. Hazelden has a tool at www.hazelden.org in which you can take a self-assessment. It's entirely confidential. Um, you take an assessment and you can determine whether you have a problem or not. Um, you know, the other thing to do is just to ask your son. Say, you know, Jim, do you, I, I think you have a problem. Do you think you have a problem? And he might say, well, gee, Mom, I don't know. And sometimes it's really important to get the person the help they need, you got to start the conversation. Right, right. And that the little letter in the back of the book is good, uh, the intervention letter. I think that gives some tools for yes. someone like Deborah to use. Yes. Well, William, we just have about a minute or so left, and I guess I'll, you know, obviously we thank you so much for sharing your experience and your strength and your hope and your knowledge. You, uh, you are an incredible writer. I want to let you know that this new book... Uh, really touched me because it's it's about fundamentals and basic practical things 
but the way that it's delivered and laid out, I think, is really a resource for for families and then their, you know, their family members that are struggling from the disease. Where is the best place to get your book? Well, Barnes and Noble has it. Amazon has it. Hazelden publishes it. You can get it at www.hazelden.org. You can Google my name and find me pretty easily through Hazelden. I answer all the emails I get, all the Facebook messages I get, I answer personally. Uh, so you can reach out that way. I think the key message is for anybody who's listening today and struggling is to know that there is hope and that uh, there is redemption. There is recovery uh, from this seemingly hopeless condition. And I will want to thank you, John. You've been a, a tireless advocate over the decades for for what I do and for what you do. And I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity today to bring this message of hope and help and healing uh, to your listeners. Thank you very much, William. Uh, it's been an honor to have you, and uh, we're looking forward to speaking to one hour at a time listeners on the next show. Bye-bye. appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.